Warrior Woman, welcome back to the Off Kilter podcast. This is episode 59. And today we're going to talk about the week before your period. Yep. <laughs> that five to seven days before your period is when you're in the second phase of your cycle. And it's also known as the high hormone phase. And it can be a burden for a lot of women. It can even stop them from training. This is the Off Kilter Podcast. It is about breaking rules, listening to your ovaries, and coloring outside of the lines. Each week, we will connect and be in conversation about how to reignite your sexuality, feel powerfully graceful, and deeply connected to your body, all while navigating life. I am your teacher, Amy Kate Burr. I often hear that women experience pain, stomach cramps, sore boobs, fatigue, uh, and that all these symptoms actually stop them from training. So today I want to talk about how we can support our cycle uh, to support our training, especially in these five to seven days before our period. So remember a healthy regular menstrual cycle that you know arrives on time mostly without symptoms has four phases and the first phase is the bleed so that can be from day 1 to around day 7 then the second phase is this second half of the follicular phase and that's from when we stop bleeding to when we ovulate which can be you know day two, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. It depends on the length of your cycle as to when you will ovulate. Uh, and that's when we say hi to estrogen. She's Beyonce. She comes on stage. She's the dominant hormone in this first and second phase, uh, particularly the second phase of our cycle. Then we have ovulation to early mid luteal and that's when we have a peak in estrogen uh, she brings some backup dancers on stage beyonce and we ovulate and then we enter into the to the third phase um, of our cycle then the fourth is this second half of the luteal phase which is what we're going to focus on today so this is uh what's called you know can be called the premenstrual phase or uh, also known as, you know, the PMS week, that sometimes we know that we're going to get our period within, you know, five, seven, ten days because of uh, these premenstrual symptoms. So Fitter Woman, uh, which is the world's first app that's connecting, you know, tracking your cycle and training together. And I've done a podcast with... Uh, Esther from Fitter Woman. I don't know what episode that is, but it's a few back if you want to click back and whack it in your ears. It's a great podcast on training with your cycle. We talk about the menstrual cycle uh, and then how to use your cycle as a tool to support your training. So Esther works for uh, Fitter Woman and they just released a study on the prevalence and frequency of 
menstrual cycle symptoms and their impact on training. And it was released in the British Journal of Sports Medicine. And the study recruited, I think it was uh, like 6,800 uh, adult women who were in their reproductive years. So they were in their cycle years and they weren't using combined uh, hormonal contraception and they were recruited via Strava, which is an exercise app. Uh, and then they filled out a bunch of questionnaires and they collected a bunch of data. And what they found was that the most prevalent menstrual symptoms were mood changes, uh, anxiety, fatigue, uh, tiredness, stomach cramps, and breast pain. And that these women who experience these symptoms, it increased their likelihood of them missing training. Uh, and that's a big deal. And something that I think, you know, we really need to focus on is that uh, often we think that our menstrual cycle is a burden, that it works against us, especially when it comes to training. And for sure, if I had a cycle that was irregular, didn't really arrive on time, and I had a lot of menstrual cycle symptoms, it is a burden. Uh, and I really can't use that as a tool to support my training and my performance. And so there's a couple of pieces here. The first is that, you know, we really need to look at the red umbrella. We need to look at, you know, why isn't my cycle arriving on time? Why isn't it regular? And why isn't it mostly without symptoms? So why am I experiencing a lot of these menstrual cycle symptoms? And then the second piece is, uh, you know, then being able to use it as a tool, but it really only is a tool if it's, you know, arriving on time if it's regular and if it's mostly without symptoms. So how do you support your cycle in this phase, in this fourth phase, uh, you know, that's known as the PMS phase? Well, first, you need to know your cycle. You need to know when you are actually in that high hormone phase. Uh, because you know, not every cycle is the same and you need to know the length of your cycle. The length of your cycle is really key. And how do you know the length of your cycle? Well, the length is, is from day one to day one again. Uh, and so you need to count how many days, you know, day one is the start of your heavy bleed all the way through to day one again. So if you know, say I have a 30 day cycle, well, I can count, you know, say the phase three and phase four. So when I'm in my luteal phase, this high hormone phase, it doesn't really change. Uh, it's always around 12 to 14 days. So you can count back 14 days and you know that's when you'll be in your high hormone phase. It's the follicular phase, so the start of the cycle, that changes length depending on the length of the cycle. Uh, the luteal phase often doesn't change very much because of what happens in the second phase with the corpus luteum. Okay, so the first thing is you need to know your cycle, the length of your cycle. Uh, so how many days your cycle is, then you can count back and, you know, or maybe you're tracking it and you know when you enter your high hormone phase. So understanding the physiology means that 
when you get to those five to seven days before the period starts where physiologically we're naturally a little bit impeded because of what's happening with our hormones, we can put in specific nutrition practices and recovery practices to overcome that. So, you know, it's, it's about putting in these strategies and practices to support the cycle and to support the training. But we need to understand first where we are in that cycle. We need to know when those five to seven days are where we are physiologically a bit impeded, so then we can support ourselves. So I think you shouldn't think of it as, I can't train or race the day or the week before my period. It's just knowing what's happening and then being prepared by eating enough and recovering well. Now, you know, if I have a new regular cycle that's painful and I have a lot of premenstrual symptoms, Often we do think and we can't train or race, you know, the day or the week before our period. And so this is what, you know, I really want to talk about today. But first, let's look at what's actually happening in this second phase of our cycle. You know, these five to seven days before our period um, on a physiological hormonal level. So as we, after we ovulate uh, and we enter this second phase, progesterone is the dominant hormone. Uh, estrogen is also high, so that's why it's called the high hormone phase. But progesterone, she's the dominant hormone and she's great to have. She's super important. <laughs> we need her. She does help uh, calm us down and relax us and she's got many other functions other than you know, to reproduce and, and make a baby. But she does a few things that can impede us on a physiological level uh, that can make, you know, training a little harder or feel a little harder. She increases our core temperature. So our time to fatigue can be a little bit shorter uh, in this second phase. Our core temperature is higher. And so if we're training, particularly in hotter, more humid environments, doing high intensity training, uh, because of that like core temperature being higher, we can fatigue a little faster. So in this uh, phase, the research shows that it can uh, be better to do more steady state endurance focused work, maybe body weight strength training or lighter resistance training. It could look like resting a little longer, maybe doing higher reps or lower weight. Uh, and that is one because of our core temperature, but there's a couple of other reasons. So another one is that our sleep can be affected as well. Uh, and the body actually does crave more rest. And the reason why that is, is because the level of melatonin, which is our sleep hormone, rises during this phase. Uh, so we do crave more rest, but with elevated progesterone, we can find it harder to fall and stay asleep. Uh, a few nights before our period starts. So three, four or five nights before our period starts. And that's because uh, we can't drop the body temperature to induce that optimal sleep. So we may wake up with night sweats as well. Uh, and really remembering that the sleep is really critical for recovery and metabolic health. So it's a little bit of a, I guess, uh, for no use of better words um, I have right now, it can be a double-edged sword 
So we actually do crave more rest in this second phase. We can feel more tired because uh, melatonin's higher, but we can also find it a little bit harder to get to sleep and stay asleep because of the rise in progesterone, which rises our core body temperature. So when estrogen peaks as well, you know, uh, in this third, third phase of our cycle, uh, it can make it harder for us to access uh, glycogen, so carbohydrates, which are stored in our muscles. So estrogen likes to burn more fat for fuel, but it's really less readily available, especially if we're doing like high intensity exercise. Uh, so it does require more oxygen, so we can fatigue faster. So really, you know, when we're doing high intensity training, uh, our body wants to access carbohydrate to use it as fuel. Uh, but when estrogen peaks, it can make it a little bit harder. You know, the door is a little bit uh, more locked on that carbohydrate source. So uh, we can fatigue faster because we really want to pull on fat for fuel. And if you're undernourishing, so especially if you're limiting your carbohydrate intake, uh, it can really impact your cycle and your performance as well. Um, so when estrogen and progesterone peak, they also can decrease the amount of water in our blood. So staying on top of your hydration is key, especially if you're doing you know, a longer, more endurance-based uh, session uh, in a, you know, a more humid environment is that we really need to stay on top of our hydration due to, you know, we can have an increase in sodium losses. And the other thing to think about uh, is that progesterone is catabolic and it decreases our ability to build muscle. So that's why a lot of the research shows that in this first phase of the cycle, so our low hormone phase, uh, that's when we can uh, train harder, train longer, we can get more strength gains, we can build more muscle, we can recover better because we have uh, low hormones. Whereas in this second phase, you know, these five to seven days, um, even longer, uh, you know, 12 to 14 days before your period, uh, when progesterone is high, it's very catabolic. So it decreases that ability to build muscle. So having a little bit of protein before and after training can knock that progesterone aspect, aspect back and allows our muscles to recover and adapt a little better. Uh, so there's a couple of windows that you can think about there uh, to support the training when progesterone is high is before training. So you want to try and have about 10 grams of protein uh, and this can increase the amount of amino acids. So you find amino acids in protein. And so if we're having 10 grams of protein, 10 to 15 grams before training, it increases that, you know, the amount of amino acids circulating. So we don't end up with this less of a signal to, we end up with this less of a signal to break down muscle tissue from uh, progesterone. And it also starts our ability to recover by having these amino acids circulating in our blood, uh, in our body. And then after training, uh, that's another window we can think about in this high hormone phase. And that's having, you know, we have a 30 minute window. We often stay, say in uh, sports nutrition, we have this 30 minute window to have between like 20 to 25 grams of really good quality protein. And that helps with muscle repair and adaptation. 
So that's what's happening in this second phase is that our hormones are higher and research shows that, you know, the body can crave more rest. We do find it a little bit harder to recover. Uh, our core temperature's higher, melatonin's higher, and um, it's a little bit harder for us to access the fuel that we need to support this high-intensity hard training. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't train. Uh, it just means that we need to be mindful of what's happening on a physiological level and then put strategies in place to be able to support that. So, uh, And we can do that by changing our training a little bit. So in this second half, it might look like you know, less intensity, less volume, uh, lighter weights, lighter reps, longer, um, lower reps, longer rest periods, maybe just doing body weight training. Uh, you know, we can manipulate the training uh, part a lot in this second phase. But then there's also been times where, you know, I'm four or five days out from my period or I even have my, I have my period um, on day one and I can train really hard. You know, my red umbrella is strong. I've slept well. I've nourished my body. I feel good. And so it really comes back to, you know, your cycle, understanding your body and the patterns that you see from, you know, the day that you're on and how your training went. And, you know, that changes from day to day, depending on all the other prongs in your red umbrella. And so, yeah, of course, in the second phase of our cycle, what we've just uh, looked at is that we can be physiologically a little bit impeded. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, that should prevent us from being able to train. It just might change, you know, the intensity or the intent of the session in this second phase of the cycle. So what's actually going on? <laughs> you know, what is PMS? What's premenstrual symptoms? Uh, why do they occur? Uh, yeah, and this is the last piece I really wanted to spend some time on and actually look at, you know, why? Why do I find these five to seven days before my period, you know, why do they give me trouble? Uh, why do I find them hard? So the first piece is that uh, your hormones are changing. So we just looked at what actually happens on that physiological level. Uh, and so, you know, even if you have a healthy regular cycle and it arrives on time, most of that symptoms, sometimes you might be impeded just because of the hormonal shift that's happening. But often, and what I'm hearing and what I've seen in my work is that uh, the, their, their cycle brings a lot more <laughs> with it. And this comes, you know, uh, with, it comes with a lot of PMS symptoms. So I guess, you know, a lot of females tell me that they experience PMS five to seven days before their period. So what's the possible significance of it first? Uh, there's uh, a multitude of reasons why a female might be experiencing premenstrual symptoms. Uh, and that could be, you know, a hormonal imbalance between estrogen and progesterone. So potentially there's low or weak progesterone and that could be caused by her not ovulating. So an, an ovulatory cycle, uh, it could be, uh, then what happens then is then estrogen is uh, a little higher. So there's this like maybe a little bit of excess of estrogen, low or weak progesterone. Uh, it could be caused from inflammation, uh, a histamine intolerance and stress. Really, if we think about PMS, 
it's uh, about stress. <laughs> so, uh, and then if we're stressed, the red umbrella really is, uh, we have inflammation and then inflammation causes the PMS. So it's finding out what's stressing the red umbrella. Because if uh, your red umbrella is strong and your prongs are strong, your menstrual cycle will arrive smoothly, regularly, and mostly without symptoms. But when your red umbrella is weak, your cycle will tell the story. So when there's stress in the body uh, and a prong isn't working right, your cycle will tell the story. And often it tells the story through you know, premenstrual symptoms. Okay, so PMS is common, super common, but it's not normal. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's the norm and it's common, but it's not normal. And I think that's really key. So I'm gonna say it again. PMS, so these five to seven days before our period uh, to experience PMS, that's super common, uh, but it's not normal. So normal period pain, for sure, like primary uh, dysmenorrhea, which is like cramping of the lower pelvis and back, that, that can be normal and can occur just before our period. So, or maybe, you know, the first one to two days of our cycle, it's normal to be a little bit uncomfortable. You know, we're shedding something out of our uterus and it's normal to, you know, sometimes feel like our vagina is falling out. But, you know, to experience uh, severe cramps, nausea, migraines, fatigue, uh, anxiety, moodiness, five to seven days before the period or before your, yeah, every cycle, that's not normal. And there's something going on. Your cycle's trying to tell you a story. So what causes it? Well, it's a stressed red umbrella. You know, you know that friend that you have that is super interesting. She's loud. She's funny. She's, you know, she really takes up space in a room. She's great to have around, but she can become a little overwhelming sometimes. So we need a certain amount of estrogen. <laughs> uh, and she's like estrogen, uh, but too much can cause breast pain, fluid retention, irritability, and headaches. Uh, and really what goes up must come down. And when estrogen falls at the end of your cycle, it can also cause symptoms, uh, especially if it was really high. Now, it's not saying that you have an estrogen excess. It just might mean that potentially progesterone is low or weak or there's no progesterone because you didn't ovulate. So then there's a little bit of an imbalance there and that's, you know, we've got high estrogen, low or no progesterone. And remember, your progesterone is also a protective hormone that can make you feel calm, that can ease a lot of these symptoms. So if the balance is off, that's when we're going to see symptoms. Um, so if we're making enough progesterone, it helps with this roller coaster of estrogen. Estrogen's strong. She's a dominant hormone. She's like Beyonce, yeah? She's like that friend. Uh, and then if we don't have the balance to that, uh, we can experience symptoms. So inflammation uh, can cause less progesterone and more estrogen. So inflammation is the big one. Uh, if the red umbrella is stressed, if we've got poor gut mechanics, we're not eating enough uh, 
food often enough. So we've got some blood sugar regulation stuff there. Potentially we have other stuff going on, thyroid problems. Um, that's causing inflammation. You know, if we're eating a lot of inflammatory foods and we're not eating a lot of good quality, you know, metabolic foods, that could cause inflammation. And it's the inflammation that, you know, can cause less progesterone and more estrogen. And we release these things called prostaglandins. Uh, and if we have more inflammation, we have more prostaglandins. And it's the prostaglandins, you know, that create that, you know, that contraction, relax, uh, relaxation sensation uh, in the uterus to, to shed the lining. So we have prostaglandins all in our body. Uh, but if we have too much inflammation, we have too much prostaglandins. And then therefore, we can have more symptoms. So really, if you're experiencing PMS, it's looking at your red umbrella. Uh, what are, you know, what are some of the prongs that may need supporting? And, you know, what are the symptoms that are coming up? There are a few possible significances uh, that, you know, they may be coming up, but often there's a little bit of an imbalance between estrogen and progesterone, or there's a lot of inflammation in the body. Uh, and that could be because of, you know, the foods that you're eating or not eating. Uh, blood sugar regulation issues. Uh, there could be something deeper going on as well. But often I start with, you know, if I'm working with a female that's experiencing uh, a lot of PMS symptoms, we just start with some, you know, core food foundation work. We look at her red umbrella. We look at the prongs that maybe aren't working right or are causing a lot of the stress. Uh, the first one I look at is food. Of course, if you know me, <laughs> I go straight for the food prong. Uh, and we just start to put in uh, some food foundations there that can support her red umbrella and support her cycle. So we really look at eating often every three or four hours, balancing the meals with metabolic foods. So quality proteins, root carbohydrates, some fats and some sugars like fruits. Um, and then potentially we may have to look at, you know, there may be some foods that she's eating that are inflammatory. So we often can talk about the inflammatory five. I know there's a lot of research when it comes to PMS and, uh, you know, eating dairy and wheat and alcohol and sugar. But I think if you have solid uh, food foundations and you're eating metabolic foods balanced often, that that is really powerful in regulating your blood sugar uh, and supporting your cycle. And then potentially we might need to dig a little bit deeper uh, and look at, you know, are there some uh, gut mechanic problems here? And are there some inflammatory foods that we may need to remove uh, just to support ourselves, you know, to heal, um, you know, heal the, the gut mechanics, heal the metabolism and support the red umbrella for now. So if you are experiencing PMS and, you know, sore boobs, fatigue, uh, stomach cramps, painful periods, to know that, yeah, it's super common, but it's not normal. And you really need to look at your red umbrella. Start by looking at your food prong and uh, looking at that food foundation. Do you have it there? Um, to support your cycle, especially in those five to seven days. 
And then once you've got that food foundation, then we can start looking at, okay, how can we then maybe change our training, tweak our training in the second phase? And what are some of other strategies that we can do? You know, those other windows that we can look at ensuring that we're getting enough protein before and after training that we're, you know, drinking enough water or we're hydrating properly. Uh, but they only come after, you know, making sure that we have this solid food foundation to support the cycle. And then potentially maybe needing to see a really good GP, a good doctor to make sure that there's nothing else going on uh, that's maybe causing uh, these uh, premenstrual symptoms. I know about one in 20 women can experience uh, really severe PMS. Um, and, you know, that can be debilitating, but often it can be, you know, there's an underlying medical condition, whether that's endometriosis or something else going on. So I know the five to seven days before your period, they can be a burden, but they don't have to be. If you understand your cycle, you know the length of your cycle, you know what's going on, and then you really use your food prong to support your cycle. Uh, you should still be able to train and perform in this second phase of your cycle. If you have uh, any other questions on, you know, this phase, these five to seven days before your period, this high hormone phase, reach out to me. We could have a cycle session. Uh, we could dig a little bit deeper into your symptoms and how you could support uh, your cycle in these five to seven days. But that's it. I just wanted to touch on... Uh, you know, your high hormone phase and how it's not a burden and it shouldn't stop you from training. Okay, that's it, Warrior Woman. If you have any questions, you can connect with me on Instagram at amykatebow. I also write a daily blog. You can sign up on my website, amykatebow.com. Thank you for making the space to listen today. Remember, Take the long way home. Bye for now.